welcome to Lessons She Learned, where we have conversations about different life lessons that we learn every single day. This entire arsenal of content is designed to help you really quick just find what you're looking for, digest it, help you process it so that you can do whatever other thing you need to get to. Sometimes we need to solve the problem in our mind before we could go ahead and solve the problem before us. And so I'm excited for this content uh, to kind of be a tool to help you go ahead and do that. What's up, family? I'm excited to be here. As you can see, it's been a couple of days. (laughs) Um, And I'm back. And the title of today's um, episode is Doing What I Said I Would Do. And this is going to be an interesting episode because it is a real-time life lesson. This isn't a life lesson I learned, you know, a year ago, two weeks ago. Um, this is a life lesson I learned yesterday. Um, and I want to say that sometimes when we are learning life lessons or we're going through different processes, um, we have to pay attention to, to what it's for and who it's for. Sometimes The life lessons we learn are for us to grow, to develop, um, and to mature. And sometimes our life lessons have ripple effects on the people around us. And one of the things that I I like to think about um, and I had completely forgotten about. Um, in creating this podcast, I knew that there were some things that I needed to get off my chest. As far as lessons, I had to put them out. I knew that they had to be like published. I had to put them somewhere. I was thinking about putting them on a blog. But then I thought about how meticulous I normally am with blogging um, and how much time I know that it takes to do that, to, to write it, to edit it, um, to create the graphics, uh, to market it like it's all good good hard work and it's not that a podcast is less work um but it's a little bit more acceptable in my mind for me to kind of let it be a little rough in certain places or in certain aspects and not let not force it um to be like completely polished or aggressively produced or over curated um and so in that, hold on, I think I'm actually going to relocate because the echo in here is kind of crazy. You just finished an episode of Lessons She Learned and how you feel. Do you feel like you learned something new? Do you feel like, you know what, I think I might have what I need to do exactly what I need to do today? Awesome. Well, if you did, if you loved this episode, I want you to go ahead and hop into hop into that little area where we do our ratings. Wherever you listen to podcasts, I would love to go ahead and get that rating just so more people who are interested in content like this can honestly just go ahead and find it. Find out that they're in the right place. Find out that they're around the right people. And so that's the point of that. But also, your favorite point, your favorite uh, thing that was said, I would love for you to go ahead and screenshot that, note that, tag me. I will be sharing you. I'm so grateful 
anytime anyone is saying, hey, this information helps me, this content really helped me work through this, and I want to know. I want to know how it impacted you. And so go ahead, tag me on Instagram at Zania E. Blue. Uh, the spelling is in the show notes because, you know, you know how that goes when people spell it any way they want to, but <laughs> I'll see you next time. And I'm excited to share even more about what I have learned. Okay, hopefully this is a little bit better. Um, but doing what I said that I would do um, meant that I had to be paying attention to not only how these lessons affect my life, but how they affect the lives of the people around me. And in this circumstance, I'm not even talking about family. I'm not even talking about that. I'm, I'm really talking about the other people who need to see you live your life and have this understanding. Um, I mentioned it in a couple of episodes um, that it's very important for uh, people, no matter what industry they consider themselves to be in, whether you are a doctor, a lawyer, a school teacher, an executive, an administrator, a principal, um, an after-school specials coach, um, an athlete, a model, a writer, a dancer, um, a makeup artist, a hairstylist, it doesn't matter what your profession is. A student, it doesn't matter what your profession is. One of the things that's just so necessary is that as believers on earth, no matter our environment, that we have a healthy enough relationship with who God is and what the Bible says, that when someone is struggling and they are actually reaching for or asking for our help or asking questions, that we are biblically competent enough to give solid responses with the rationale and understanding and wisdom. You don't have to be 25, 35, 45, a deaconess, a a preacher on the rise. You don't have to be any of those things in order to successfully share the gospel. One of the things that I I struggled with over the past, over years, is trying to figure out what I wanted to be known for. I didn't need to be known, but if you're going to be in business and and if you're going to be in society, you're going to have a reputation. And I struggle with whether or not I wanted to be known for um, my, my professional work or whether I wanted to be known for my faith whether I wanted to be the kind of person you could come to with your questions or the kind of person who um, you could come to and have things explained or the person whose materials you could share and understand that there was some study done, there was some reflection done, there's some application being done even until now. And it has impacted that, like that idea or those questions has impacted how I do work, how I do life, how I do faith, how I communicate with my family and all the more. And I want to say that I've even struggled with going from 
casual to very intentional faith in trying to make sure I don't get back to or stuck at the casual space. I don't know if you guys know, but around the world where people are believers of Christ, this is not a casual belief system. People are not casually saying one thing and then living another thing because believing what you believe here in America could get you hurt in other parts of this world. Because that's how seriously we actually take, like the world takes religion or religious spaces. And so I say that simply because I I decided some time ago that I wasn't going to kind of sugarcoat or belittle my faith anymore. I realized what God had helped me work through. I realized, you know, what how he has been growing and maturing me. Not that I am the pinnacle of growth and maturity, but that I fought it for so long, I actually have to talk about it now. And at this point, I need to be able to have conversations and really communicate that. And the best way that I could do that, the best way that I know how to do that is in two ways, in my daily interactions with other people and by saying it on a platform, not by just um, giving you a scripture that I feel like is close to my heart, even though I might do that too, even though other people do that too. And that is so good and so necessary. I think that there also needs to be some sort of conversation about how that scripture might be applied, how that scripture might be lived out. And what I realized was that there are a lot of people who would love to submit and subscribe, but they don't necessarily know or understand how to study or how to apply this information. They're still working through a lot of things, their own experience, their own hurts, their own traumas, trying to understand their own process in their own life. I The lesson, the big lesson that I feel like I learned yesterday by taking time off of this podcast and thinking that it only affected me, it only affected what I said that I would do, I realize that it's directly affecting the spiritual health of others when I don't get into a room and just have conversation and we collectively raise the bar, raising the bar for what it looks like to operate as a Christian on earth. Raising the bar for what it looks like to walk this thing out, to change right before our own very eyes. I realize that there are people literally looking at people who have put out information and misinformation, and because it's available, they consume it because they really do want answers. But I notice that myself. And my faith had, has just been so quiet, so timid, so passive about the lives and the hearts of the people outside of me. But when it comes to me and mine, I'm like, oh, no, we're we not watching that. We're not playing that. We're not, we not listening to that. I'm going to read this. I'm going to study this. I'm going to study this way. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do A, B, and C, and one, two, three, and I'm going to pray and I'm going to do, I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to change my environment. I'm going to change what I've done so many things to try to curate my life so that I know what I'm, I'm, I'm filling myself up with. And even when I make those mistakes or when I let other things in, it can't even compete with what I've submitted myself to intentionally. So then the Holy Spirit starts to get involved in, in this other way. That's just like, mm, 
You've been consuming me all day. You've been around people who know me all day. You've been having these conversations all day. Don't you see how that don't look like me? Don't you see how that don't serve this purpose? Don't you see how that glorifies itself, but every other thing over here glorifies me? And so now I, I've gotten to this point where there's like a little bit of resistance when things of this world try to come at me with, with all the power and all the strength um, that it has and, it, and it's convincing, but it don't look like God. It don't, it's not consistent with what the Bible says. And so I say all of that to say, I thought my pause was my problem. It's our problem. And in addition to it just being a problem um, to not do what you said you would do, even though um, that's an issue of people not being able to take you as your word, and that's something very serious to be taken, um, I think that it's very important to understand that when you decide of all of the things that you're going to pause on, of all of the things that are going to become casual, of all of the things that are going to become lackadaisical, why did it have to be the thing that gave him glory? Why did it have to be the thing that, that was able to show people how you are growing and developing in your faith? How, why did it have to be the thing that the person could listen to and, and have just another tool to fight with? Why did it have to be that? Why couldn't it be the TV show that you're that you're watching every time it's time to eat? Why why couldn't it be that? Why couldn't it be games? Why couldn't it be playing around? Why why could why couldn't it be being a little bit more lazy when you should be more structured? Why couldn't it be that? And so here we are. Um, and I'm gonna tell you two quick stories and why I had to come back and come back hard and come back serious and come back more aggressive and then some more updates about the podcast. So the first story I'm going to tell um, is about a um, friend, a, a group of friends that I have. Um, and I, I love and care for them so deeply. And one of the things that I knew that I noticed about them maybe a year and a half ago um, was that they were wavering in their faith. Um, and not just wavering in their faith. It was kind of like they had never professed to love God. But it, in this country, it's kind of like assumed you are Christian unless you're not. And so it's almost like people assume that you're a Christian by default unless you say that you are not or unless you say you don't believe. Um, and so that might have been a little bit of like the loose space that um, they, they perceive themselves to be in. Um, and so gradually... There were different things. There were different practices that they were taking. Um, and so they would listen to a little bit of, let's see, like, what are some examples? Um, dang, this is hard. All right, whatever. They were listening to a little bit of the, like, new, new age Christianity and less than biblical doctrine. Now, I'm going to name some names as to what that looks like. But I want you to hear me. And I want to explain how something qualifies as less than biblical and what I mean by new age. 
something that is less than biblical is not consistent with what the Bible says. And the way that you know that it's not consistent is when you do different reading plans over time, when you are listening to sermons that break down text. Sometimes we, you know, we're listening to a sermon and there's a scripture, maybe there's a paragraph. Outside of church and inside of church, there is supposed to be the reading of the word and the study of the word. It's very hard to say my life is on something and you don't know what that something is. Sometimes we believe that we inherit our faith, but that is not true. You have to choose him because God will not force himself upon you. And so in your choosing, in just hearing some of the language, some of the he is the only way language, you have to really read the book for yourself. You have to be not afraid of being somewhere and, and saying, I, I really don't even understand what this says. You just have to start to unpack it piece by piece, part by part. You can start with Genesis. You can start with Hebrews. You can start with Corinthians. But you want to read it piece by piece and part by part to understand what it says or to, to just be aware of what it is that it says so that if you do decide that you are going to lean in with your full faith and believe what the Bible says about you, your life and creation, you are aware of what is masquerading as Christianity, but is not consistent with the text. And so, whew, what I started to realize was that there were people who had started to make changes to their beliefs. So they didn't, maybe they had no problem with certain aspects of like love and joy and peace. But when it came to structure, when it came to order, when it came to submission, when it, when it came to, to dying to yourself, all of a sudden the texts don't look good no more. And so when you are in a situation where what you're reading is or what you're believing is giving yourself more glory than it gives God. You are more concerned with getting your best result versus the result that God might have for you based on his plans for you. You're going to be in a dangerous situation. Anything promising you something other than more of Christ, other than more of God, is selling you something that isn't the Bible. And so if your goal is to get a house or get a car, that can be your goal and it can be healthy to have goals. But when your religion becomes embedded by all of the things you wish to have and has absolutely nothing to do with your character, your spiritual health, you're in a dangerous spot. When you actually are praying more about your things than you are about your spiritual health, you're in a dangerous spot. That doesn't mean God doesn't want you to have things. Things are just not the reason you're here. And so there's a difference between having supreme lack and needing to come to him for a, super, a supernatural change. Hey, Lord, my housing is in trouble. Help me. Hey, Lord, I don't have a way to, to move with my child. Help me. Those are, those are real things you should be praying for. Those are real things he can afford for you to ask. But I promise you, 
I promise you, meditating on his word, growing, developing, and using practical principles to go ahead and do the work are going to be the things that turn it around. Not shouting that you want it a, a hundred times. And what gets dangerous is when you feel like you're playing the game to win the next level and another soul is nowhere in place. How the Lord can use what you have in your hand that he put there, that's a dangerous place to be. And so I said all of this to say, I noticed that there were different mantras, different styles of chanting that were not prayer, that were not worship towards God and what he has done in his sacrifice to us. And I noticed that they wanted to profess Christ but they didn't understand that not only were they tapping into power, but that the power was not the power of God in his submission and his light. It was dark power. And so I got nervous. I went and we had chill. We had all come together. We were hanging out. And from all of that, from all of that less than biblical, extra spiritual activity, they seem to me, according to the Holy Spirit, to have dark power. So they could say things and it'd be done. They could, they could, they could do whatever they put their mind to. But God did not give that to them. And so I was like, bro, they got the crystals going, they burning all kinds of stuff like sage with the intention of, 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 of it being a spiritual practice. They, they don't know because every single time they're talking, they are believing that this is God's will. And so I said, okay, um, all right, Lord, what do you, what are you going to do? First of all, I left, I left, um, our gathering, I was speechless, but more than anything else, my heart broke. When you do all of this stuff to, to, to really grow yourself spiritually, to have a healthy relationship with God, to, to directively choose God for yourself, and you see that people want to choose him, but they really are having a hard time trying to distinguish what's God between what's not. And it's not as clear because they they might not just be familiar enough with who God is and what the text says and how he's been covering him all, all covering them all this time. And my heart broke and I came home and I wept. I cried for hours. I cried for hours. I cried because I could see the war sitting on them. Them wanting more of who God is. Them wanting to, to be submitted, to be covered, to be under his graces, but to just need what they say they want so bad that they didn't care who gave it to them. They didn't care what they had to give in exchange. I wept. And I didn't know what to do. I just prayed. I said, Lord, I don't even have the language to help them unpack what is going on. And so I just couldn't stop. I was hysterical, okay? 
And I was just like, I don't understand how we got here. I'm, I'm emotional right now just thinking about it. I was like, I don't understand how we got here. I don't understand, you know, what, like, what, like, I thought it was harmless. Like, I thought, I thought it wasn't a big deal until they started to worship themselves. I, I didn't think it was that bad. I was like, is it even, like, will it even do anything? I was like, like they're just doing something that makes them feel good. It's just self-care. Like, I, I did not know that all of these things had spiritual implications and that they looked almost gone. You look in their eyes and it's just like, Lord, where are you? And so I wept and I prayed and I fought. I fought for the spirit and, and the hearts and the minds of people who were not my family and who a, even a year or two before then, I did not know them. And I was like, I got to this point in the prayer, in the, in the whole thing, where I actually had to ask him to relieve me of this pain because I didn't understand how I could love them so hard and how, how I could hurt so bad from, from their absence in the spirit. Like, I just couldn't, I, I literally felt so bad for God. Like, I was just like, your heart feels like this all the time. Like, you watch people leave you like this, like, and they kind of want you still, but they really can't. I, would, I, I struggled and I had to pray and I had to beg him to relieve my heart because that kind of heartbreak could kill you. I was so sure. I was so sure. And so I got myself together um, and I was just praying. I was praying over them all the time. The way, the way you pray over yourself, the way you pray over your family, um, the way you pray over your husband, the way you pray over your kids, I was praying over them like that. They was just in all my prayers. It was in all my prayers. Like all of a sudden they were my responsibility. And I never talked to them about it. I had never talked to them about it. I really didn't have the words for it. Quite frankly, no matter how, how, how my heart broke in that moment, like I still knew, like I was like, brother, this is not a conversation I can have right now. Um, and so I went and for, I went to Barnes and Noble um, and I bought a Bible. And I was thinking about doing some cute stuff, like writing a letter, like a loving letter in the Bible, like, bro, love you, um, sis, like, bro, I, I, I really, I couldn't even do that. I don't even think, I don't even think I did that. I think I wrote like in a card and I just, I think I just communicated like my love and um, I think I might've laughed it at that. Cause I, you really, there's some things, it's just like, I don't even have words for what just happened, but gave her a Bible. It was, it was the Bible um, I, I read. It was the She Reads Truth Bible. I'm going to leave a link to it in the show notes. It's like a faux leather, rose gold situation. So I gave that to her. And then um, I was just like, Lord, do you. Like, <laughs> I just need you to do what you be doing. I need you to do what you did for me. This is so real. I, 
I just was speechless. And so I left um, that Bible with her, I prayed, still continue to pray for, for all of them. Only I only was able to get a Bible to one of them, actually. Um, and um, yeah, and so I, I continued to do life. Um, I continued to keep my heart and my ear out for them. Um, and kind of like made myself like available just in case there were ever any questions or just in case they ever wanted to share anything like that with me. And I just prayed and I prayed and I prayed. A year later, was it a year later? Yeah, a year later, um, we were having a conversation. We were like, yo, like something's like different. Like, what's up? Um, and basically they had started to go through this change. The change was they were, you know, they started to throw away like crystals. They started to throw away like Buddhist vases. They started to throw away like salt lamps. They started to throw away certain books. Um, books that are like asking you shall receive because God's not a genie. Like they started to throw away all that stuff. All the stuff that's that's like not talking about work ethic or developing or skill sets like things that want you to chant your way or manifest your way into what it is that you want, like they throw away all that stuff. Um, the spirit led them to do that. Mind you, I had never talked to them about any of this. And they started to tell me that from just those practices that they thought were so harmless, they, they got lost and they almost got stuck. Um, and they didn't realize it was less than him. They didn't realize that it was counterfeit. They didn't realize that it couldn't even promise what it was promising. Um, and they didn't realize how much it was costing them. And so they started to make some adjustments. And then they started talking to us about, you know, scriptures and the Bible and, and understanding those things. But I ran into a, a, another conversation that started to break my heart in some of the same ways and I was just like, during and the conversation that I ran into was one during this pause or this break from this podcast. And I felt so trash, like, and the reason I felt like trash was because I said I was going to do something. I did not do it or I had paused or stopped from doing it. And the reason they had started to kind of subscribe or submit or to listen or to indulge in these other kind of like practices, despite, you know, professing belief in Christ was because the content was there. Do you understand now how powerful content is? <laughs> and so I started to make some adjustments. I was like, Lord, I bet. So I was like, okay, so what can I do to, you know, fix up? Because I was recording this podcast in real time. So if a podcast was going up on a Tuesday, it was because it was recorded on Tuesday or recorded on Monday. And I was like, okay, so what do I need to do to make sure that these episodes are like up and set and, and not in a tough place? Um, and then I was like, oh, okay, I know exactly what I can do. Um, I could pre-record them for the week. Um, or just like record as many as I can in a single sitting and then just schedule them. So that's what I decided that I was going to do. Um, hold on, let me, <laughs> let me plug my, um, my pad in. Um, so decided I was going to do that. And so here we are. Um, and so this is why doing what you said you would do is important, not just for the bottom line, 
not just for the business, not just for the health and the fitness, but also for the people you're supposed to be positively impacting and positively serving with what it is that you're doing. And so that's why this podcast exists. There are going to be a lot of interesting developments to this podcast because I decided, I, when I started it, I decided it, I decided that it wasn't going to be perfect. I decided because perfect things never get produced. So um, I decided that it wasn't going to be perfect, that it was going to be done and that it was going to be published. Um, and then I also wasn't thinking about it at first because I just wanted to be consistent with the creation. Um, but I also have to like market and talk about like, episodes <laughs> i am a marketer but i love creating content as well i like marketing to sell that's what i do but content creation when it comes to faith is my jam um and turns out that when i don't do it um and even when i have the peace to do it even when i have the time and the resources to do it i'm in a tough like i'm in a tough spot so that <laughs> um and so here we are with this being here, there will always, um, for as long as this podcast exists, as long as this podcast is live, there will be, um, you know, more of these life lessons here, the live ones. Um, I'm going to be incorporating a few other things, a few fun things that I will announce to you maybe like two weeks from now or so. Um, but yeah. And so let me hit you with some quick Bible study tips. The last time that I was giving out some of these, I think I said that I was going to put some in the show notes. And I think I totally, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, forgot. Um, but I already typed out my show notes. So I know for a fact that they're in here this time. Links are in there this time. But I'm going to give you the rundown. I'm going to tell you um, what are some of the activity that I took to start to grow, to understand more about what the Bible says, um, to even understand the conflict, the, the, the conflict that I was experiencing before, um, including some hurt, some issues with faith, some dis- some issues with church hurt, some, some dis- issues with mistrust, um, some challenges with misunderstanding. I'm going to go over that now. So let me start with the Bible that I read. And I'm going to tell you why I read that version and how I read it. Um, The Bible that I read is a She Reads Truth um, CSB Bible. Um, CSB stands for Christian Standard Bible. It's the Bible that my church, it's like that's the, that's the, kind of Bible that my church reads. And by kind of Bible, I mean translation. Um, And the reason we read that one is because it's very clear and in plain language for interpretation. And so sometimes people assume that if I cannot read the King James Version, then I cannot study. But what many of us have realized is that a lot of people have struggled in actually understanding um the king james version and feel like they're reading shakespeare and they're just like bro like i cannot like i i really don't have understanding here with this um and so i want to say that the csb um translation reads at like it's so simple a fifth grader could read it um and and that's one of the reasons why we use it to not just read but to study and to clarify for interpretation um, the She Reads Truth um, Bible is kind of like clear. It's it's very straightforward 
in the language. Me personally, I like to underline. I like to highlight. I like to write questions in the margins. I like to write revelations in the margin. Um, I like to do all of those fun things um, in my Bible. And I like to do that because I it's it's work to make sure that you do more than scratch the surface or just saw the text. Seeing the text isn't enough. You in your reading, it's going to take study. It's going to take understanding. It's going to take patience. And so it's it's going to end up being way more than just, oh, I, I read my three verses for the day. Nine times out of 10, you don't know the context in which those three verses can be applied. Nine times out of 10, you don't understand what the people who said that meant. You don't understand who they were talking to you don't see why they said it and so that's why when you are reading you don't want to be reading passively for nice things that are easy to tweet or easy to put on a quote graphic you really do want to say okay who is this book by who are they writing to these are letters who are they writing to who wrote this if it's if it's identifiable um and saying who who it is that wrote it at the beginning of every chapter of the she of not every chapter every book within she reads truth it tells you more about what was happening during that time what were the challenges who wrote this why did they write this who were you speaking to this this is when all of the skills you learned when you were learning how to read books in school and in english all of those things come to even this moment and show and prove themselves to be valuable start learning how to unpack the text if you have never learned that before and take your time and pace through it one of the things that i like to do is read through a full book of the bible so that means if i'm starting at if i'm reading let's say i'm reading hebrews if i'm reading hebrews i'm going to go where the title is introducing Hebrews that I'm going to read about that book of the Bible. I'm going to read about what that context is, and I'm starting at chapter one. And when I start reading, I'm noting what I understand and what I don't understand. I'm noting um, who's speaking, who are they talking to, what is the tone, what is the language. Um, I might even I'll let y'all know, but um, my past, my church and my pastor had did this like study maybe, maybe two or three years ago. Um, I want, was it before the pandemic? I, it probably was. Um, and he taught us how to study. I'm going to, I'm going to figure out, cause I made it into like a, a ebook for myself. I'm going to figure, and I started giving it out to friends, like offering it to them. I, I'm going to find it and see, um, you know, within the next couple of episodes, I'm going to plug it there um, so you can grab it if you want it. Uh, but yeah, so that's what you want to be paying attention to. The reason that matters is because a lot of people think that they understand what the text says, but they're constantly reading the text out of context. They're not reading the full text. They're not looking into who said this. Why did they say they say this? Where are they? What are they talking about? They're just seeing language with a string of words that they think either fits or don't fit, and they're assuming they agree or don't agree when they actually don't have understanding. You need to focus on understanding, and there is this big difference. There are these two words I'm going to just not teach you, but just like share. There's exegesis and there's eisegesis, okay? And so when you are exegeting the text, you are looking through it, looking to see what it says, looking to see what it's intending to, to break down, 
and you are only taking from the text what it says plainly or is implying plainly within the text. Eisegesis is when you come to the text and you put things on it. You are not supposed to be adding or subtracting to the word. So the moment that you come to the text and you put on top of it something that it does not say, you are not properly interpreting the Bible. Eisegesis is wrong. And so that is something that you want to develop in for yourself. Um, So sometimes I'll read and I'll say, what is this saying? And I still don't know after I think. Maybe I just never learned anything about this book. Maybe, you know, I've never heard it taught, all of these things. There are books called commentaries that are kind of like an encyclopedia a little bit for the Bible. Many of them are organized in the same structure as the Bible. And so um, the first book inside of a commentary is normally like Genesis. Um, And then it's like Exodus. and, And it's going in the same order as the books of the Bible. So if you are looking for a breakdown of a book, it's in the same order as the books of the Bible. So you can easily locate it. What the commentary is doing is giving you an elaboration of what it is that the Bible is saying. This is what I will say about commentaries. And this is what I will say about um, teachers in general. I consider myself to be submitted to God. Um, saved by grace alone through faith alone um, as a result of the the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The reason I say that, and I wish I would have said it earlier, but the reason that I say that is because every single piece of content, books included, have an author. With commentaries, the same way with blog posts, the same way with articles, they're all written by somebody. The person who wrote it should, if unless you are studying the way other faiths look at a specific text, if you're considering yourself to be trying to get a firm grip on what it is that Christianity stands for and is focusing on, you want to be reading from someone who understands and agrees with that faith in the way that they explain it. The danger is that there are a lot of faiths that use the Bible, but they don't agree with the entirety of it. And sometimes they even go as far to change as to change what it is that it says, to be consistent and coherent with the faith that they've developed for themselves. And so when you are reading a commentary, you want to be reading about the authors to ensure that those people are submitted and subscribed in the same way. That does not mean that you cannot read the text from other faiths to see what it is that they believe and start to unpack that for yourself. But what I will say is if you wanted to get an accurate representation of what it is that the faith that you are trying to prescribe to is truly believing, you need the best or the most clear of teachers to break that down for you. You can still look at the way this person breaks it down, looks at the way this person breaks it down. But if you want to see the way that it's plainly prescribed, understand it, and then from there, look at any changes or deviations from there, you need to be understanding what is original and what is a deviation from that. So the the uh, commentary that I use to support me in understanding what the Bible was intended to say is the Baker Illustrated commentary. This is what made me raise my antennas on who's speaking was right after I got caught up in some prosperity gospel nonsense. 
when people were telling me no one would be sick, when people were telling me everyone would be rich, when people were saying things like that, when all of that might not be the will for the Lord for your life. Plain and simple. And at some point, you have to decide what it is you're going to submit to and whether or not the truth matters to you at all. Because I can tell you something you want to hear and it be an untruth. And you might be saying, well, sometimes I don't mind when somebody lies to me. Okay, but some lies cost you more than others. And so in this moment, if you are looking for the way and the truth and the light, this is what I'm breaking down on today. Um, and so that commentary that I read that I also linked in the show notes um, is doing a really good job at breaking down what the Bible says and, and explaining things about specific verses that I that I was just like, bro, like, I don't get it. Um, and not every single verse has gone over, but they go over it in kind of like sections by explaining um, the context, explaining what is even implied in the text and connecting scriptures to one another. A lot of the times we're thinking, man, how do we remember that scripture and that scripture? How do you know this about that? A lot, if not everything inside of the text, one, refer back to Christ um, and refers back to who God is but also a lot of the times it is also connected so something said here is also said there and if you think that you found something that is truly conflicting then you have a misunderstanding of one of the two texts and so those are the things you want to be thinking through those are the things you want to be focusing on as I said with the commentary, when you listen to sermons, you want to be listening with a keen ear. Based on what you have read, based on what you have studied in the text, you should be able to then go into a sermon environment um, where someone is preaching or teaching the word. And you should be able to, based on the text they read, see if that person understands the word. But your own willingness to study the word, to ask the Holy Spirit for help, to use different tools and commentaries and things of that nature should help you be able to surmise whether or not this person who's teaching actually understands what it is that they're saying or whether or not they normally understand, but if this what it is that they're saying today is actually misunderstood. While you're in church, while you're reading um, the scripture that's being read for the, for the sermon of the day or the sermon that you're listening to, instead of passively listening to the way they, they chop it up, take your Bible out and read it. If they start from the middle of a section with no context, read up from the beginning of that section. And I even dare you to go to the beginning of that chapter. Figure out who the people in the context are talking to. Figure out what they're focusing on. Figure out what the problem or the, the issue might be in the text that's being unpacked in the scriptures. And then when you get to the sermon or the, or the part of the sermon uh, where the scriptures are being outlined, see if it matches what y'all is talking about. Because sometimes it don't. And we could do a lot of verbal acrobatics to make it make sense. But in the end, you know when it's a stretch. So you want to be paying attention to that. You want to be paying attention to if that was a one-time thing with a little bit of misunderstanding or whether or not a person is continuing, continuously and consistently misteaching, misunderstanding, or misrepresenting what the Bible actually says. 
Because what you're starting to see is that maybe they believe differently from you, but technically they fit under the category of Christianity because that's the title they subscribe to, but not their ultimate submission to what the Bible says, which happens, unfortunately. And so you just want to do your due diligence and test the spirit. Do you hear me? So that's that's what you want to be paying attention to, even for your own pastor. Test the spirit with the reading of the word and the acknowledgement and the study of the text and be able to say, you know what? This isn't actually right. And you can make the necessary adjustments. You can ask the necessary questions. This is something we're all responsible for doing. Don't let these people lead lead you off a cliff. And don't be so in love and so infatuated with your leader that they come before God. The last thing that I'm going to be breaking down, um, so I'm going to leave a link to the Bible, uh, the, the Bible that, um, the Sia, the Christian Standard um, Bible. You don't have to get the She Reads Truth version. There are so many different, like, CS, Christian Standard Bible um, translations. You can get whatever one you want. I was just telling you about the one that I read, um, but you can really get it anywhere. Honestly, you can get it from Barnes. You can get it from Amazon. You could already even have one. It's fine. You could also read the ESV version, any, anything, any like the NIV version. Like you could read translations that are simple for you to understand. But if you needed a recommendation, that's just my personal recommendation. Um, but those are healthy translations as well. I'm now going to this is getting long, and this is also not what I intended to even tell <laughs> um, But deconstruction. Ooh, we're hitting them all, huh? Okay. <laughs> deconstruction. So deconstruction is when you start to unpack and undo your beliefs around faith. What my church is doing right now is a sermon series. The sermon series is on undoing and unpacking and unraveling your faith. That is what deconstructing is. Um, It's not specific to, um, it's not exclusively specific to Christianity. It's just unpacking, deconstructing beliefs in general. In our sermon series, we are aware, and as a church and as a body, we understand that people are doing a little bit of work of deconstructing their faith. Um, And specifically, we're talking about their faith in Christianity. Sometimes we feel as though people have been avoidant in in answers to questions and and, and sharing understanding that, you know what, Um, I'm not going to subscribe to this no more. I'm not going to believe this no more. You know what, I don't even want to read this no more. This isn't isn't what I thought it was going to be. Sometimes we're so disheartened by our experiences that we're saying, man, you said you was a man of God and you did this. You said you was a woman of God and you're doing that. And what that starts to do is give us reason or the evidence our heart feels like it needs to start to do away with our faith, unpack it, consider it invalid. Right now, my church is going through um, a sermon series called Deconstruction. And I'm recommending whether you are feeling like you are in a season of deconstruction or not. I'm recommending that you not only read it, but that you study it. These are the four sermons that we have already 
started to um, go ahead and work our way through as a body. The first one, deconstructing your faith, Western Christianity versus biblical Christianity. Remember when I was talking about like, um, you know, people doing different things, but it's still feeling like it falls under the realm of Christianity, burning sage, salt lamps, all this different stuff. Well, that's less than biblical. And he goes over a lot of what is considered Western um, Christianity is and how it has somehow fallen into the category of Christianity. But our goal is to not just be what the world considers Christian, but to be biblical. If the world was to strip us of our names or no longer deem us Christian for any reason or wanted to reassign the title, we should still be rooted and grounded by the Bible even more so than the title. So that's the first, that was the first, um, the first sermon in the sermon series. And when you read these, have your Bible out, have your notes out, and be prepared to work through it over time as well. Um, the next one is deconstructing your faith and leaving bad deconstruction. Sometimes we listen to things or we hear different things and it makes us feel like we now have understanding. I've heard of different people um, reading uh, books or um, listening to audios by different people, um, such as Abraham Hicks or different things like that, or listening to people who have somewhat of a skewed or unbiblical idea or view on what it looks like to walk through faith and life. And what you want to do is not be in a situation where you do bad deconstruction, which is when you have untruth or mistruth or misunderstanding guiding the way that you work your way through, uh, work your way through unraveling your faith. That is bad deconstruction. When untruth or misunderstanding is the leading factor in the deconstruction of the faith that you have in who God is. And it breaks down how to avoid that. And we pray over it and we talk about next steps. Deconstructing your faith, the danger of deconstructing through your pain. People experience very real and very challenging things in this life. And so one of the things that happens sometimes is we experience so much pain and there's so much pressing and it feels like such an attack that we feel like we have to relieve this pain by leaving our faith. We talk about that. Um, the next uh, sermon in the sermon series is overcoming church hurt and spiritual abuse because a lot of the representatives of Christ, besides the Father, besides Jesus, besides the Holy Spirit, are humans. And so we end up being in situations where we're interacting with people and that interaction is less than amazing. Sometimes it is less than, many times, it's less than biblical and it's written with sin. Whew. The link to the sermon series is also in the show notes. Um, I also linked some other episodes that you could listen to that are not as in-depth as this one, but, you know, they're there for reference. Um, but again, they aren't as thorough as this one. So I said all of the things that I said. I meant all the things that I said. Um, 
and I think this is the most that I've ever said about faith or about um, apologetics or anything ever. Um, And I think that instead of trying to figure out how to make it attractive or marketable um, or anything like that, I'm actually way more willing to just to just love you enough to say something and to be honest about how my heart hurt to a world that needs more of Christ, more of the Father, more of the Holy Spirit now than ever before. Um, And that is today's episode, as hefty as it is. I hope that you do study and um, I'm going to leave my Instagram in the, in the um, show notes so that if you ever have any questions or if you ever want to talk or if you ever want to pray, um, you can shoot me a message because I'm down for that.